You're listening to Maternal Monitor. Here's your host, Jamin Wilson. You guys, welcome to my first episode of Maternal Monitor, where we talk about the many stages of motherhood. This week, I asked my incredibly close friends, the Nesbits, to share their story on infertility, which one in every 10 couples will experience. They are so kind to open up and talk about the hardest trial that they have been through. Rex and Casey just celebrated their five-year anniversary and tried from basically their honeymoon to get pregnant. They realized after trying for months that they needed to see a specialist. They have tried it all. Clomid, IUIs, and they were successful with in vitro. However, their first attempt ended with an egg topic pregnancy, which is where we pick up. So, um, as far as the cost goes, we couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we went, you know, into debt for it to, to be able to do it, basically. I mean, we didn't have the cash just laying around, right. but we kind of were like, you know, I, I were not fans of getting into debt in general but people do it for usually a house or usually school loans and for us the most important thing was starting our family even more than finishing school or getting a house so and thinking of it in that terms it was okay for us to do that I I don't know if all couples feel like they have the same time crunch that we did because we were in our early 30s and um and want several kids still so for us it was um, more of a time thing than anything but we just wanted to get things moving and so yeah we were okay the money honestly the money as expensive as it is wasn't that big of a stress for us it was more of a okay what do we need to do and is this going to work more than anything yeah and I'd also add that I think we, we know people who have also done IVF, and they've also, you know, gone into debt for it, whether they're getting a personal loan or credit cards. Or borrowing it from or, family or, and paying them back. Yeah, or yeah. borrowing from family. Um, but I think the important thing is for people to know is to shop around. There's there's no reason you have to go with the doctor you're seeing or the local one that's in your city. We, we shopped around, luckily, just because we, since we had a home base in Arizona and we, we saw a doctor there, you know, we asked him about prices, and then we, we shopped about doctors in, in Utah prices, and then we found our doctor that we ended up going with um, because there's there's the initial price, you know, for doing the procedure with the egg retrieval and the actual, um, you know, placing of embryos. But there's also, like, you know, it, although I uh, IVF does increase the um, – success rate, you know, of get, actually getting pregnant, a lot of times they have to try it more than once. So that's a separate price. And so some doctors will charge more for, you know, the, uh, the initial try, but then the second try is only half that price. Um, but then other doctors will charge, you know, the same amount both times. So okay. it's, it's something people need to know to shop around because different doctors will, will charge different prices for, for, uh, you know, you can pay a price up front to do four tries or, you know, something like that. So okay. I think that's important for people to know. Shop yeah. around. But also it's like your gut kind of too, because we ended up going with a doctor that wasn't the cheapest. Yeah. But we felt really, really led to him. And he was less expensive for those additional tries, which is really why Rick was, yeah. yeah. But it was last fall. And then we found out we were pregnant last December for the first time. Um, and unfortunately, we found out we lost that pregnancy in January. It was like the first week of December, right, when we actually had did the procedure. Yeah. Okay, and 
and what do they do they know why you lost that baby um it was an ectopic pregnancy so we were actually headed back from christmas uh back up to rexburg and i just had this overwhelming pain and i had read enough online about different things that i kind of knew right away that you know i was having an ectopic pregnancy from the pain that i was in and so we got home and basically you know drove over to the hospital and and uh yeah it was midnight and we just were driving through the snow and i was thinking oh man like we were finally pregnant and and then and then it's taken away from us and we're having to go for this and so that was definitely like the lowest low of anything we've been through just to have that excitement and then you know so soon have that taken away yeah um rex what what was it like for you to see casey through all this pain and then going through a surgery i mean i'm sure it was super low for you too yeah i mean honestly for me it was like disbelief for for a while like she was in she's in pain on the way up and Mm -hmm. she started hurting i remember where we were it was on the the highway before you get to 15 cutting across idaho or cutting across uh, utah coming up from arizona um right like when we got under 15 south of like nephi that's when she started hurting and, and was, you know telling me about it and that's when we started thinking like okay well you know we got about five six more hours to go until we get home let's see how you how you do and mm-hmm. we'd stop and and you know, take breaks along the way, see if she's getting better. And we, we, we got home that night and had dinner and, you know, I wanted her to take it easy and make sure she was, didn't just like overdo it. And 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 then it was like, I remember it pretty vividly. We were, you know, laying in bed watching TV and she's still in pain and she started getting really, you know, increased pain or she was, she was crying. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's go to the emergency room. So it was, it was just after midnight, we go there and, and get checked out. And unfortunately it was too early to be able to be a definitive discovery from the ultrasound. So we had to, so they sent us home. Basically they gave Casey some pain pills and said, we don't know what it is. Even though, you know, Casey was pretty uh, aware, adamant that, you know, this could be ectopic. Mm-hmm. So they, they looked for it, but the embryo was so small that they wouldn't be able to find it. So they sent us home. Casey was still in a lot of pain that next day. And this was, uh, you know, the first of, first of January and 2nd. Um, so we, we go back the next day, the next night, actually, after we we called our doctors and, and told them the situation. They said, yeah, it might, it might be. You need to tell them where to look again, go back to the emergency room. So we went back for the second straight night and... And uh, sent a prayer that they'd be able to find what's what's going on, and if that's the case, and they're able to find the uh, embryo, yeah, sure enough, in the uh, in Casey's tube. So Casey was super stressed about it. I tried to stay calm to, you know, for for both of us, right? And to, um, you know, to at least focus on Casey's health at that point because ectopic pregnancy is really dangerous for for the mom too because mm-hmm. she can die from it if it's caught too late you know it'll baby will grow big enough to where the the tube will explode and and it's fatal so it's pretty serious for that reason so i was trying to you know protect casey at least and so luckily they found it and had the uh surgery that night and 
after that we were both just you know kind of devastated with with um you know the whole process losing losing you know not only losing the baby but having Casey have to go through surgery you know after that too to to remove it so it was super sad and something that we had to kind of pray about and and wonder why <laughs> deal with a lot of anger issues I think were you just more sad than mad I was just more sad I think it was the first time that I was like okay you know we do the roller coaster every month for months and months and years before that of having so much faith every month that that was going to be the month Mm -hmm. and I think after a while you're just kind of like okay am I foolish for having this much faith but I'm still going to have this much faith because you know I do believe that Heavenly Father can change the situation for us and and we do believe you know not only does he have the power but that he wants us to have a family and so you know you go you go through that faith every month but I think this is the first time that because we were actually pregnant, um, you know, and, and had gone through such a long process with IVF with all the shots and the meds and the surgeries and all that to get to that point, I was kind of like, okay, Heavenly Father, that was mean. Yeah. <laughs> that was mean. Why did you have to do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, it wasn't, I don't think I, I've ever been angry with him, but I was just, I just didn't understand, you yeah. know, why it had to get to that point. You know, what hadn't we already learned that we needed that? Right. <laughs> so that was kind of my feeling. Um, but, you know, I I have had enough experiences in my life where I know that Heavenly Father loves us and does want us to be happy and that he always comes through. And so there's still that feeling, but also at the same time just feeling this like question mark of why it had to get that far for mm-hmm. us to to learn what we needed to learn or you know what what haven't we learned that we need to learn because mm-hmm. I want to learn it fast because I'm done yeah I'm done with that done going the situation yeah. um how long did you have to recover before you did your other round of in vitro and did you guys know immediately that you wanted to try it again to try in vitro again yeah yeah, so that was, like, my first question. How long do we have to wait before we can do this again? Yeah. And our doctor, actually, he doesn't he doesn't do it every month. And so we knew we had, you know, some months to recover before the next group of patients he was going to um, do in vitro for. So we, we were just planning on doing the very next one that he was doing, and it was a few months down the road. Um, I think the next one he did was, the beginning of April. So that was like actually the perfect amount of recovery time. They told me from January to April would be our recovery time. So um, that worked out timing wise. And because we had already done the surgery to remove the egg uh, or, you know, remove my eggs and make the embryos, um, we have frozen ones. And so it was, it wasn't so intense the second time around. Um, And so we were ready to go in April with another Another round, yeah. And Rex, you were on board too. You were like, "Okay, let's do do it again." Oh yeah, of course. Okay. We wanted to do it as soon as possible, and and actually, the the doctors made us wait longer than we were ready to uh-huh. try again. Yeah. So because I'd had one ectopic, usually, you know, if that's happened, then there's a higher risk of that happening again. So I think that was our our worry. But at the same time, we were like, we actually got pregnant this time, so this is exciting. Like this works for us. If as long as we don't have another topic, this works for us. And so um, there was some excitement with, you know, being able to get pregnant through in vitro and knowing that was a, a, something that worked for us. 
So you went through in vitro the second time in April. And did yeah. you just feel a lot better about this going into it? Um, maybe just lay out the second time going through it when you guys realized you were pregnant. <laughs> well, we, we knew that we got pregnant the first time, and that doesn't always happen for people. So we were we were... We were we're more hopeful because we know hey we got pregnant last time. Uh-huh. There's no reason why we shouldn't get pregnant again. So I know that both of us were thinking this is going to happen this time. You know as long as as long as the ectopic pregnancy doesn't happen again, we we got pregnant. So it's going to happen. So we were pretty confident going into it and and thinking that it's going to turn out okay. We felt like we, you know try to prepare best we can, of course, for, for not being pregnant, but we had high hopes. I remember I tried to be more realistic about it. I think Casey was often, you know, talked about how this is going to work. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, let's, after the procedure was done, like, okay, let's plan out when our baby's coming. And I'm like, okay, well, let's be prepared. So if it doesn't happen, you know, right. trying to be, um, you know, keep us, you know, on the ground a little bit, but um, we're, you know, we're, we're confident the whole time now it was going to happen. We're happy and, I think we both kind of thought it's, it's time. It's time. It's going to happen. It's been time, but this time it's really time. It's really time, yeah. Um, you actually kind of are ahead of the game when you do in vitro because they um, they place the embryo in your uterus already, and so the travel time and all that is bypassed. And so you're actually by the time you find out you're pregnant, you're already four weeks along. Okay. Wow. Um, ish. <laughs> So you, they do blood work two weeks later to check your HCG levels to see if those have risen. And then two days after that, they'll check it again to see if it's still going up. And then two days after that, again, usually. So they want to just see that increase of HCG that it's doubling every time, every two days when you go in. And so we went in the first time and it wasn't super, super high, but it was definitely within the pregnancy range. And so usually if it's super, super high, you think twins. And so, because it wasn't super high, we were thinking one, which we kind of had that in our in our mind anyways. We always had this feeling we were going to have one, and it's going to be a girl first. Yeah. And so, um, that was encouraging. And then we went to another appointment a couple of days later, and uh, it had risen. So, it was pretty exciting. I remember, actually, we were going to the, um, we went and got the blood drawn, and then you have to wait for them to get back to you with a number. And we so we went to the open house of the Idaho Falls Temple getting redone and we were sitting there um before we were going in they show the, the video of you know the temple and things like that and they talk about families being forever and I had prayed before that just to have peace of you know either way what was gonna happen what what the numbers were gonna be and I remember sitting there and then talking about families being eternal and I had this thought this impression come to mind that your, you know, that this this is going to be your baby and, mm-hmm. and she's going to be okay. And uh, I remember just, you know, getting emotional and, and one of the volunteers for the for the open house probably was like, wow, she's really touched by this, you know, simple video we have here. <laughs> but it was just that impression that came to my mind that, you know, this was going to be our baby and we were going to be able to have her come finally. So that was pretty special. That was one of the, the early, like, uh, you know, spiritual experiences I had with um, knowing that everything was going to be okay. And that actually kind of carried me through pregnancy too, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're traumatized by, um, by infer- infertility. So 
even when you're pregnant, even the further along you get, you think you're out of, you know, out of the, the scary stage and you're, you know, going to go full term. I still needed that confirmation that everything was going to be okay. I needed her in my arms, but that kind of helped me to remember, like, this is going to actually happen this time for us. It was exciting. He said, okay, she's going to be out in the next push. We just looked at each other. Oh. And just, our eyes filled with tears because it was so close. And... <laughs> And then when she came and they put her on my chest and we were just looking at each other and looking at her, it was the best feeling I've ever had in mm -hmm. my whole life. So it was just so exciting. Rex, what about you? How's it come full circle for you? What was it like holding her and seeing her and seeing Casey go through that? She's incredible. 26 hours is a long time. Yeah, I mean, kind of the same thing. Like, uh like a loss for words honestly it's just uh i mean i never thought that we wouldn't be able to have you know a baby um so i i knew that we were going to sometime but to actually like have the moment was just uh so surreal he just like even while casey's pregnant you know the whole time going through the nine months it's mm -hmm. like okay yeah you're pregnant but it, it still never like felt real i guess yeah the sense that it's like, oh wow, like we're we're gonna be parents someday. It, it just was something we just talked about, and uh, it never felt like it was really gonna change our lives or something. I don't know. It was, it was kind of a, it was like a dream. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was kind of a kind of like a, just a dream that you just talk about. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, that's what happened someday. And then, um, I think the moment for me, um, it, well, you know, Casey's in labor pushing and uh, the doctor's there and I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm, I'm helping. And then, you know, I'm standing right by Casey and watching, uh, holding a, holding the leg while she's pushing. And, uh, you know, the doctor's talking and saying, oh, she's close. And so, you know, Casey doesn't, the doctor's, you know, communicating saying, you know, one more push, her head will, her head will be out. So I, I look and her, her head comes out and it's, you know, I'm pretty, and just hits me, and he says, so her her head was out, but then the doctor's like, okay, on the next push, you know, she'll come out. So we're, we're waiting, and the doctor, waiting between contractions, but the doctor just says, let's just let's just push without the contraction and see if uh, we can get her out. And Casey pushes, and she, she's, she slides right out with the doctor's help, and it's just kind of a, a wave of emotion at that moment. Like, I knew, you know, not, you know it is emotional for me, you know, the whole process, of course, but when she slid out, it's just like a wall of emotion just hits you. You just break down and looking at her and then looking at Casey and just having that moment together. It's just, you know, amazing to not only just waiting for him, but, but for anybody, you know, to have a kid. It wasn't about the time we waited at that point. It was just about the moment that she's there. If you could give any bit of advice to others who are struggling or going through this, um, you know, what would you tell them? People, sometimes age affects, you know, how aggressive you are with it. If, if you're younger, you know, sometimes you want to try everything before you get really aggressive. But I think the whole time, I think what helps to have hope is to be moving forward. So that, you know, going to doctors, um, learning about everything, um, you know, taking steps to, to move forward. I think it, it's such a stressful thing for anyone, regardless of it, if you're taking action or not. But I think if you're just kind of waiting, 
that's when it gets harder and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing happening. I felt like even though we didn't get pregnant with all these things we were trying, every time I was trying something new, it was bringing me hope. And like that was going to be the thing. And that got me to the next thing. And then that, that got me to the thing after that. Mm-hmm. And so even though it was, you know, in hindsight, sad that a lot of those things didn't work. I think it, it kept us moving um, emotionally to, to know that we were trying things and moving forward. So I think I would just say, be talking to doctors. Um, and, you know, yes, in vitro is expensive, but a lot of the tests and things along the way aren't. And I think that's a misconception is, oh, this, you know, infertility, this is going to cost us so much money, but not everyone needs to do in vitro. Sometimes you just need, you know, Clomid or something, mm-hmm. which is very inexpensive. So I would just suggest to couples just to work with doctors from the beginning. And I would go to a specialist, um, a, a fertility specialist. I wouldn't go to a regular OP. I would go to a specialist um, to get that attention and care that you need and all your questions answered with up-to-date information on fertility. Um, if you don't love your doctor, switch because mm-hmm. there's other doctors and, and they're not all created equal. Um, and I also would add to advocate for yourself because they just see, you know, a lot of patients and yes, they want you to get pregnant, but not as much as you want to get pregnant. So I would, I would just learn, okay, I need to be on this medicine. I need to try this. We need to do this. And I would just, um, advocate for what we needed. And then I would, we said, we saw several different doctors just with moving and things. It wasn't like we kept switching mm-hmm. in general, but I, um, we did see different doctors and I, I feel like it led us to the doctor we were supposed to be with. Um, in the end that helped our, our family grow. So that's one suggestion. And then as far as the money goes, yeah, I mean, I, I say it's more important than the things that, you know, usually you're told you're allowed to go into debt for with a house or school. It's just money. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about money in the long run? We have a daughter now and I don't even think about the money, honestly. Yeah. It's, we have her here. So I would just say go for it. I, I, I know that's easier said than done because um, you have to find a loan somewhere, but I would just say to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm. um, and then as far as like where we're at now, I mean, we, our doctor said, you know, if you had to do in vitro before, you'll probably have to do it again. So we plan on doing that in the future. And um, we're just grateful that Heavenly Father is the greatest scientist of all scientists and mm-hmm. he um, helped this research and everything come to light so that families could grow. I think sometimes people think of it as a science thing, but it's him. Yeah. You know, he's in all of it still and it's pretty exciting that um, that's available for people to, for their families and to help, help people. Um, and I just want to say, you know, like being on the other side, I still feel so much like hope and compassion for the people we know that are trying to get pregnant and everyone who's going through infertility. The night we had her, I was holding her in the hospital and I was praying for the people who are still trying to get their families there because I want them to have this joy. And uh, I know that, you know, however it happens for people um, that everyone can grow their family. So I just pray that people will know whichever way that is um, through fertility, through adoption, through, whatever that is, that they will be able to to know what, what they need to do to be able to grow their family because it is a huge blessing, and I know that Heavenly Father does want it for everyone who wants to be parents. Um, it's just kind of finding which way that is that's going to help 
You've been listening to Maternal Monitor. Find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you can find podcasts. I'm your host, Jamin Wilson, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.